Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we are going to be doing an episode. We've never done the format of an episode like this before, but I think it's going to be fun. And let me just explain it to you guys. So on the podcast today, we have two, I was about to say repeat customers. We have two of our favorite guests back. We are having NT on the podcast. You know him. You love him. He's the writer and founder of crazydaysandnights.net. Basically, 90% of all the blind items we ever talk about have been written by him, and he's been on this podcast two different times before, just talking blind items and crazy days and nights and the myth, the lore, the legend around all of this. And we also have Cam on the podcast from what I will say. Cam was also previously on Fluently Forward. She took us through a deep dive of Swiftgron, the alleged, but was it alleged, relationship between Taylor Swift and Diana Agron. And on her podcast, what I will say, she does these incredible, insightful, deep dives into Taylor Swift where you almost look at Taylor Swift's life through like a very analytical lens. I'm talking like dates of when things happen. I'm talking even weather patterns of like Taylor Swift said it was raining in this one song and she wrote it in this month in this city and it only rained once, you know, in that month. And on that day, she was with Diana Agra, just like all of this incredible stuff. So check out that episode. And today the three of us are coming together for <laughs> whatever that's my trumpet sound the taylor awards we are going to do an episode all about taylor swift and i know a lot of people are like shannon you talk about taylor swift too much and first of all you're you're certainly right secondly i will say we've never really done a taylor swift only episode we've done one with her and diana akron we've done one with her and um carly claus but we've never done a taylor episode so it's it's long overdue also, if anyone really hates Taylor Swift, I'll say, first of all, just stop listening because you're not going to enjoy it. But secondly, we bring up all of her, you know, friends, her ex-friends, her boys, her ex-boyfriends, the people she works with, and Joe Alwyn and Julia Fox even slips in there. So, you know, she's not a silo. We talk about a bunch of things. Okay, so the concept for this episode, myself, Cam, and NT basically go through, and it's like an awards show where we broke down Taylor Swift into different genres and categories, and we vote on our favorite genre and category, and we talk about why it's our favorite and things like that. Now, sometimes I do have the tendency to go a little bit camp counselor sometimes. Basically, like, I think games are fun. I think everything can be made into a game. My mom, up until, like, an embarrassingly old age, could pull the trick on me when she's like, Shannon, like, how long do you think it would take for, like, you to get my, like, laptop charger as a kid? And I would be like, time me! I will go get it now! So I love a game. So if you want to play along this could be fun. I'll just walk you through some of the different categories that we're doing in the Taylor Awards. So we vote on things like what our favorite Taylor Swift era is, our favorite and least favorite boyfriend of hers, our favorite Easter eggs, our favorite Taylor Swift villain, because you know that she's gotten into a lot of feuds over the years, our favorite Taylor Swift friend, our favorite Taylor Swift conspiracy theory, alleged girlfriend, cringiest male relationship moment, 
basically a bunch of things. And then we also rant a little bit at the end about Grammy gate and why Joe Alwyn does not deserve the Grammy that he has, which is, I mean, I could do an entire episode on that. So yeah, I was thinking through how this could be fun for you to listen to. And when we announce the category, if you want to like pause and write down your vote and then see like which person, you know, does your vote match up throughout the episode with me, Cam, or Enti the most? That could be fun, right? Fun, fun, fun. Okay, so without further ado, it's a magical night. Thank you so much for coming. We're honored to have you here at the red carpet. We'll see you inside soon for the Taylor Swift Awards. Well, everybody, this is Cam from What I Will Say. I'm so thrilled to be joined by Shannon from Fluently Forward and Enti of CrazyDaysAndNights.net. We are here on this of course, amazing awards night, known by everybody in the industry. Welcome all to the Taylor Awards. Now we would have called it the Swifties, but that's a separate thing. So <laughs> we're here to celebrate Taylor and talk about all our favorite moments in her, you know, her pop culture oeuvre. Does everybody want to say, I'm Cam from What I Will Say. You can find me at What I Will Say on socials, except for on Twitter, I'm What I Will Say Pod. Guys want to jump in and just plug your stuff real quick? Yeah, I'll start. First of all, what a magical night. You guys both look really good <laughs> in your gowns, and um, <laughs> I'm excited for the after party. Um, I'm Shannon of Fluently Forward, at Fluently Forward Everywhere. We've got a podcast. We're on TikTok, and we're small on Instagram, but we are small and mighty. Fluently Forward <laughs> Everywhere. Hmm. Uh, NT Lawyer, at NT Lawyer on all social media, crazydaysandnights.net, patreon.com slash NT Lawyer. Okay. Well, great. Well, we had just came up with a bunch of things we wanted to jump in and award for, you know, Tay, like I said, Taylor's impact on pop culture. Um, so without further ado, I think we're going to keep it simple to start. This is everybody want to jump in with just their favorite era or album. Yes. Oh my God. I think for me, it's going to have to be speak now, Taylor Swift. I think something about her ringlet curls was just like so I'm so nostalgic for that era of Taylor Swift the Speak Now concert was so magical everything from Enchanted to when I think of that era I think of spiral staircases and glitter and romance and being whisked away on a cloud and um, you know obviously people grow up and change and her new album is kind of a little bit about death sometimes and things like that but when I think of my favorite era I think of magic Speak Now beautiful well I'll jump in next and say my favorite era, it just has to be the red era. I love the fashion of that era. I love the preppiness. I love, you know, I see, you know, summer days out at the beach with the Kennedys. I, <laughs> the red album, you know, she transitioned into pop, which I always liked country Taylor, but I've always been, you know, a bit of a pop head, a poptimist. And when she started working with Max Martin, to me, it was just magical. I knew you were trouble. 22, all of that. And of course, it doesn't hurt that she spent a lot of this time hanging out with a certain blonde from Glee. Um, <laughs> of course, that's always going to be a special place in my heart as well. So I've got to say the red era. Yeah. I'm going to go with pandemic, Taylor. I, mm. Just because I, I I guess as somebody, I just like it more. Um, like, It's not that I don't like the early stuff. It's just... Uh, can't really relate to it as much as I can the the later stuff. You've never and had a crush on a boy in high school. Like, you never. <laughs> what what is this? It's so relatable. So that's I, I, I'm going to go with. And plus, she just shamed us all by doing all this stuff when everybody was locked up. She yeah. she's recording a couple albums and just making us feel bad about ourselves. Oh, yeah. truly. 
Definitely. Fair enough. I mean, her music really came to a new level during the folklore era. So can't blame you there. Okay. Well, do we want to jump in to now let's let it get a little spicier favorite boyfriend or beard. If you believe that way, Um, we have a whole list of guys. You guys know the guys. We're not going to list them all out. I will start. I do just adore Harry Styles and the hailer of it all. Now, I'm not sure how dedicated they were to each other or how much of this was PR, you know, something else. But I like Harry. I like Harry's music. And, you know, the 1989 of it all, how there's so many silly Haler references that also freakishly match up to a certain blonde from Glee. I'm just always going to love it. I think her and Harry are so funny together. He's fully just a child. (laughs) She's like, going into her mid-20s dating this teenager at this point all the One Direction guys seeming to hate her all all their fans hating her all the drama there I do just whatever Haler was I adore it it was it was ridiculous it was one of the best-selling like relationships of all time the music that resulted from it supposedly is iconic I, I do I just love it it's classic you know, it's just like the, it's like an old Hollywood tale as old as time where two people get told to date to sell records. And I love it. When you think of like their messiest moment, like her crying on the boat going mm-hmm. away, the awkward New Year's Eve kiss, the yes. very obvious photo shoot in Central Park, her mouthing, shut the fuck up, her doing a British accent during We Are Never Getting Back Together. Like what, what's your favorite messy Haler moment? Uh, okay. This is actually kind of niche, but maybe. After 1989 had come out, so they're long broken up by this Mm -hmm. point, the guys all get asked about like, oh, what do you think about, I think maybe Shake It Off or Blank Space. Of course, it's the biggest song anywhere. And Harry's like, oh, you know, it's great. He's being polite. But in the background, you see Liam make the jerk off motion with his hand (laughs) and start laughing. And of course, that is like an insult. But my favorite thing, he's saying like, oh, you know, fuck that girl. We don't care about her. But my favorite thing is some like Haler shippers take it to mean like, oh, Liam's saying that Harry sits around like jerking like, off, to off to blank space or shake it off or something. Yeah. And it's just like uh, this misremembrance of like, of course. And now we've seen Liam in the news lately being such a twat. Right. And it's just so funny to me that like, it's obviously him being like pretty rude and, but it doesn't matter. Like shippers will take anything and take it to mean anything that makes them happy. So like a Haler shipper saw that and was like, we love it. Right. If Harry turned around in that moment and he's like, if you keep doing that jerk off motion, you won't be using those hands anymore to jerk off. I can promise you that. It's like, what? (laughs) That's what it it should have said. Yeah. That's so funny. That's good. Oh Lord. Yeah. My favorite's Harry. Andy, who's your favorite boyfriend? I mean, it's not any big surprise. I mean, I've devoted a couple of hours to it but martin johnson for sure (laughs) because it is the it is the secret it's the hidden boyfriend it's the one that's never acknowledged it's the one if you look at a list of boyfriends he is often omitted wait can you can you give a 101 just because some people this might be the first time they've heard of the name martin johnson oh my god that's like uh my whole life is martin johnson (laughs) when it comes to this kind of thing but basically he was in a group called Boys Like Girls. And Taylor, when she was doing, um, it was actually like a Wall Street Journal article or something like that. And she said that her favorite song was Hero Heroin. And so Martin Johnson heard about it and contacts her and they start collaborating together like right away. This was back in 
early 2008 and they did you'll always find your way back home from the hannah montana movie and taylor was recording fearless and the drummer from boys like girls played on several tracks and and they just had this fast intense you can just tell it was intense her team hated martin johnson because he had a big alcohol problem and you know taylor's 19 years old and 20 years old but this is when she was heavy into being online which i know you guys like back in the myspace page mm-hmm. days and every single video it had had boys like girls songs as the soundtrack so and martin has acknowledged that they were boyfriend and girlfriend and that they were physical so so all you shippers out there for the jake gyllenhaal thing sorry it was martin well i think martin <laughs> interferes more with john mayer than Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. ever did, like right? Because, but I think Dear John is about Martin Johnson because there's also no all way the in hell. Tattoos, yes. the dark hair, the bad boy imagery, the my mm-hmm. parents don't like you, you're trouble for me, like all of that stuff just ties in. Yeah, yeah. So go listen to Cam and mine uh, episode on that. Mm-hmm. It's on both of our patrons. Yes. All right, I'm going to say my favorite boyfriend is Tom Hiddleston because that was when we, other than like Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift's friendship, that was the relationship we got the most content out of. Them like kissing at the Coliseum in Rome and like jet setting all over the world and just looking like one walking Ralph Lauren type of like advertisement. I loved it. Everyone talks about how they looked so old money you know, I thought it was fake as shit, but I was like, who cares? These photos are awesome. Like, I am here to be entertained. And it's almost like, I don't know, if if Julia Fox and Kanye West were advertising for Balenciaga the entirety of their fake relationship, they were advertising for, like, J. Crew and Banana Republic. And they should have honestly struck a brand deal because everyone <laughs> loved those photos of them. They were so—it wasn't even the staged part that got me. It was the whole, this is what Taylor imagines a romantic— rom-com relationship to be you know whether it's the the t-shirts or the t-shirt you know, just all, <laughs> oh and the pictures yeah. i just because everybody knows you can't get you're not getting that close to taylor swift to take a picture so the idea that they were paparazzi photos or something like that has always and then we're going to talk about favorite breakup later so i'll save that for but and speaking of julia fox i mean how much of the 15 minutes does she have left she was at a you porn party last night <laughs> So I'm just, I'm just you, you've, you've, you've fallen. You've gone from Balenciaga well, to Well, it's funny because I kind so. of wanted Julia Fox. I was like, she needs to stop showing up to red carpets in all of these provocative outfits. Like, go classic Hollywood movie star. But now I kind of think that she would be better as like a niche internet celebrity. Because like, is, does she really have the acting chops to like stay in Hollywood, even if her fame continued, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I'm pulling for her. Yeah. I think she's fun. Team Fox. She's fun, <laughs> but she's just, she, she works like, I compare her to Phoebe Price from 15 years ago. She works so hard at trying to, to come up with something new every single day to try and, you know, just stay in front of the cameras and stuff. She, I mean, I give her credit for working hard to try and yeah, do that. Yeah, the jeans outfit, the like Canadian oh, bikini God, yes. or whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> I think she needs a dating show. She needs like a VH1, like, you know, when they used to have those shitty celeb, like, date Flava Flav. She needs that. Brett Michaels. Yeah, she she needs needs that. that. Yeah. Or a surreal life reboot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, do we, do we want to name favorite breakup with said guys? We have that on our list. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I'm going to go first. Okay, go for it. Um, just because it continues my thought from the last one. I think Calvin to Tom is probably my favorite because obviously Calvin's probably cheating on her. And she, I mean, how fast did she get over to Tom Hiddleston? She was probably like, okay, um, so Calvin didn't do what I wanted him to do. So I'm going to find somebody who will. Tom Hiddleston will do it. And she was just so fast going from Calvin and Tom. It was it was lightning quick. In a getaway car. Lightning. Oh, no. I was going to say lightning in a bottle. That's not her song, right? Message in a bottle. She has message in a bottle. Yeah. yeah. The getaway car is the song specifically about like. There we go. I, she literally is just like, I wanted to leave him. I needed a reason. If someone wrote that song about me, like my, Every therapist within a mile would hear about it. Like, I would be so upset. <laughs> Her entire song is like, I literally cannot wait to get rid of you. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what did he do to you? That was so bad. Mm-hmm. Disrespect. I think mine has got just for the teenage mess of it all. It's got to be Joe Jonas because mm-hmm. she has never mm-hmm. like showed her hind in more then when she went on the Ellen show and dragged him, she went on YouTube and was the like doll. playing with the Jonas doll and like yeah. complaining about him. So many dramatic breakup songs, slut shaming his new girlfriend. I mean, nobody did it like Taylor breaking up with Joe Jonas in 20, 2008 or whatever. It's just, it was, a, it was a time and we'll never, you know, we will never get that side of Taylor again. You know, Wait, she here's can't a trivia question for you. When mm-hmm. she recounts how many seconds the phone call is, do you remember how many seconds? I think 27. I, it was either 27 or 18 or something. And then I remember Joe Jonas hit back and he was like, well, the phone call only lasts as long as the other person doesn't hang up for. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. If you end the phone call 20 seconds in and then you're like, it was only a 20 second phone call. It's like, well... <laughs> It could have been longer. Well, the good the good thing is like now they're friends. Like he just sang, he was singing much better, which is about her, right? Yes. Just on stage, like not long ago. And he said like, I'm cool with the rock stars now or whatever he called her, the superstars. I don't know, but it used to be like kind of a mean lyric. And he changed it because they're like best friends now. Yeah, it's fascinating. Just beautiful story. I'm going to say my favorite breakup would be Joe Alwyn and I know that they haven't (laughs) broken up but the way that he talks about her in articles if my boyfriend was giving me such a severe lack of words of affirmation publicly it would be over so in my mind if I was Taylor Swift I would have broken up with him so I would say that's meant because every quote he gives about Taylor Swift where he says that she's okay (laughs) and she's fine I'm like to me that's a breakup that's horrifically disrespectful yeah you don't need to be tom cruise jumping on the couch thing, yeah but just something yeah but you need to at least wiggle on the couch like he's dead on the couch like he's yeah, yeah. it's crazy i mean at the same time if my girlfriend wrote the one while she was with me i would be found <laughs> dead in a ditch so like maybe this is his payback for her writing like a bunch of like my heart is broken and i'm really just thinking about somebody else uh uh, two albums full of that so yeah. like maybe it's a bit tit for tat there but I mean agree I'm kind of manifesting because they're the most boring relationship she's ever had I know. they truly are mm-hmm. okay well with those awards said we're moving on to our favorite easter egg now there's like infinite to choose from and there's like categories of easter egg with taylor so you know whatever comes to you guys we did have some options set aside but what do you guys think favorite easter egg all right i think mine has to be the look what you made me do music video i think 
literally no other pop star has done it like Taylor Swift. We were all wondering what was going to happen to her. I still remember I was at a Whole Foods in San Francisco when I first heard the song. It's like, I just like remembered where I was because everybody was like, what is going to happen next? The music video where all of a sudden she's standing at the top of the mountain and you see all of the past eras of Taylor Swift. Maybe it meant more for me because I'm so obsessed with a woman, but I think even just like a 101 fan would look at that and be like, I recognize that music video. I recognize that outfit. I recognize all of these things. Like the way that they had her on the mountain of all of her past previous versions of herself, I was just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I rewatched that music video like once a month. That music video I've watched so many times. <laughs> and you're right. Like even a even a, a, be- a beginner Swifty would yeah. be able to recognize like all those eras. And it just does goes to show like everything she does is iconic. Yes. Um, that music video and all the, I mean, there's so many hidden moments in that. I mean, what do you guys think about when she was in the bathtub with the jewels? Because some people say that was like mocking Kim's like, you know, uh, very tra- harrowing and traumatic. Like I'm all for making fun of Kim Kardashian, but maybe yeah. not when somebody like their life is at risk and it really is that scary. Um, but then of course, Swifty said like, oh no, you know, that was just a coincidence. But like, there's so many hidden things. Are you talking you know, about uh, the the robbery in Paris? They thought that mm-hmm. it was referring to that. Uh, ooh, yeah, I would say that's probably, I'd, I'd say that's a little bit beyond petty. That's a little bit more like malicious, which I don't know if Taylor Swift does that. I think she kind of stays on like the petty high school drama type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was... It was an icon. And the way that it went from her in the grave to her in the bathtub. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good transition. The 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 cinematography and the match cuts and like everything. It's the best. It's like the best music. Name a better music video. Honestly, you can't. Okay. My favorite Easter egg. It's just goes to show like how unhinged Taylor is when she wants to do Easter eggs, which she doesn't even really do anymore. And it drives everybody insane. But mine is when she posted a picture of her and her mother playing Scrabble sometime in the fall of 2018 while she's on rep tour as a hint that lover's lead single would be announced six months later on national Scrabble day. I I love that stuff. Like, you know, it's just so it's unhinged and it's like so silly and so crazy. And like, but of course her fan base knew like, Oh, so, Oh, don't worry guys. Something's coming on national Scrabble day, but mark it down your calendars. We know. And it's like, who, what, who else has a fan base that is going to see you playing a board game and know the date of your next single. Like it's, it's only her. You know? you know what? I feel like that's fucked up of her to do, though, because now anytime like Taylor Swift could like hold a coffee mug and I'm like, when's National Coffee Day? Yeah. National Coffee Bean Day. National Chai Tea Day. You know what I mean? And it's like and sometimes I look at these people online with all of these theories and I'm like, people are taking it a little bit far. And then something like this happens and you're like, all right, I guess who know who knows that she liked Scrabble so much that it would mean something. But it did. Mm hmm. That is my favorite, too, because of the lengths in which she went to go, because it wasn't just the Scrabble Day, right? This was Easter egg after Easter egg after Easter egg. You know, you had the beginning her Instagram countdown to April 26th and April 13th. Oh, what's 26 minus 13? Oh, it's her favorite number, right? And then there was the whole, the emoji, the rainbow emoji tweet, 115 of them between January 1st and April 26th, 115 days. Or, you know, the stars in the photo that she posted on February 24th, there were 61 of them, you know? I mean, how many days are in between February 24th and, you know, April 26th, 61. So it was just, you know, one after the other, after the other. And I think that she did it because of how 
happy she was that everybody got the Scrabble Day thing. So she get, just kept playing it out. And it's the kind of thing that drives the whole fandom. And like you said, Shannon, about the coffee mug or whatever. And they will literally find anything and make it work. And I think that she likes that about them. What do you guys think she uses? Like, do you think that she has some sort of like Excel spreadsheet formula or like she must put in, I would assume, the date that the single is going to come out and then have like an algorithm work backwards to say like, here's a bunch of national holidays you could hint towards (laughs) or things like that, because it just doesn't make sense to like constantly be thinking that way. And she's admitted that she does some of these Easter eggs like years in advance. I mean, I'm convinced that there will be a book coming out soon Mm -hmm. because of the whole new all too well music video. Like there has to be. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like she gets the dates and works backwards. So she just looks at like, well, what's the national day? And like, how many days is that until that? What numbers do I want to play with? Because like, surely the label or the studio has something to say about, okay, we want Taylor to drop on this day. So I feel like she must work backwards. What do you got? Like, if you guys were Taylor Swift and you were doing your own Easter eggs, which niche random holiday would you do? Like, I would pick whichever day was like National Sims Day, and like I would release it on the Sims Day. Hmm. I would always do stuff around my birthday, which is seven thirty-one. So that's like oh. two really good sort of magical numbers. Yeah. So I'd, I think I'd always be looking for those. But I do have, I like prime numbers and I like, I don't know. Maybe like National Conspiracy Theory Day. I'd probably do like a little nod to that. If that even exists, I'm going to look it up. I feel like that must be a thing. I've thought about things like, you know, if she ever did the release date of whatever Valentine's Day was kind of thing, use, you know, use numbers like that. Obviously things with 13 because she's just, you know, 13th row, you know, 13th day, whatever. I've only ever won awards when it's the 13th. Mm -hmm. And I wish somebody would go back and check that. I'm sure that somebody has, but yeah. has every award that she's, she's ever won, has it always been where she's sitting in the 13th row or on a 13th day or a 13th week or whatever else she said? It can't be because she's been in the first row for a bunch of them. So maybe that was like an old thing. Yeah, that was an that was an early quote that she gave about, I think after she won something, she was in row M, which was the 13th letter in the alphabet, oh. sort of the 13th row. But yeah, she definitely said like everything good that's ever happened to me is on 13. I had a thing with 13. When I was little, because my number playing soccer was always 13 because I was like the tallest kid. So I'd always end up with the higher number for like use soccer for a while. But then like Taylor made that like not cool anymore. You can't really claim it. So whatever, it's hard. But the thing about the M, I say this with all the respect in the world, is Taylor neurodivergent? Because I just feel like a lot of these Easter eggs and like M is like the 13, which is like the color purple. And it relates to this. I'm almost getting like synesthesia or like patterns. Like she's very heavily focused on stuff like that. I feel like she could have ADHD, but maybe I'm just projecting like my yeah. ADHD onto yeah. her. I don't know. People <laughs> ask me that all the time. I don't ever like get into it that much because I don't want to like insult anybody or whatever. But like, yeah, I feel like she's not, she's not typical. She's not neurotypical. Yeah. Agreed. So I am very excited to talk about our partner for this podcast, Athletic Greens. So I've been wanting to take AG1 for a while now, mainly mainly because I think anyone who's drinking something that's green is cool. Any like liquid that isn't, you know, clear, I just think that there's something like fascinating about it. So I have been lusting after Athletic Greens for a long time. So 
Every day this week, I've been taking AG1. What it works is you take one scoop of uh, their powder and you put it in water and you shake it up and drink it. And it has this kind of like tropical citrusy taste. Um, and for me, why I really like it is that I used to take vitamins every day in the morning probiotics you want to do like cranberry pills you want to do stuff for um your focus i felt like i was geriatric i was taking like 12 different pills every day and it took a while to swallow them all so i really like athletic greens because it's just a great way to start your day with a drink rather than a million and a half vitamins so to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So all you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash fluentlyforward. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com slash fluentlyforward. And you too can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now here's a good one. And this is, this has a lot of options, but Favorite Taylor Swift cinematic universe villain or or favorite feud that she's had with someone. (laughs) There are a lot. There's so many. And I didn't, I listed like eight and there's like tons more than this. I'll jump in and I do, I'm sorry. Like I'm going to ruffle feathers with this, but mine is definitely Carly Kloss. Mm. Auntie and I did a deep dive on the, the Kayla drama that went down in 2019 that Carly is definitely sort of implicated in the master's high situation. Taylor's friends like some tweets saying that Carly did it. And then in my opinion, Taylor confirmed it herself when she said, when the words of a sister come back in whispers and you find she was not what she seemed, not a twin from your dreams. She's a crook who was caught. I do think that's Carly Claus. I've also seen some behind the scenes stuff that made me think like absolutely Josh Kushner helped finance the purchasing of the master's press Hilton. You know, he confirmed that to you, Shannon. He said, that's what, that's what he heard that Carly told things to Scooter. And I do like, I love it because, okay, we're going to talk about favorite alleged girlfriend down the line and I can't choose Carly. So I have to choose Carly for this because Carly Claus is such a swift, like, icon like half the people think they hate each other half the people think they're dating people some people genuinely believe they have a baby together (laughs) it's like pop culture meets conspiracy theory mecca is Kaler and you know you've got to give the girl her due like she was a huge part of Taylor's image in the 1989 era and just everything and I think their friendship breakup is so messy that neither of them can even really comment on it in any real way because it would just like tear the world asunder, I think. Now, the question I have to ask is just from the conspiracy angle, right? I always like to ask that next question where it's like, okay, the earth is flat. Okay, but like, why would they lie about it being round? Like who profits from that? Things like that. Let's say Carly Kloss works with Josh, yeah, not Jared, Josh. Um, And they, you know, like siphon some of these details to Scooter to help purchase the masters. Is Carly getting a cut of that? Is she getting Scooter to manage her for free in return? Like, what do you think would be the reason other than just like being malicious and wanting to like screw over your best friend slash girlfriend? I think it was an accident. Oh. Because I mean, Perez said, you know, she's sort of, like absentmindedly did it. I think that's what Perez said. You know, she wasn't meaning to do it, but she sort of just was, Scooter was already her manager at that point. Yeah. And she and Taylor, right. They've been seen together once in two years at this point. Um, they had drifted by then. I think they were still friendly, but there was a drift. And, you know, I don't think Carly's relationship with Scooter Braun 
endeared her to Taylor at all. But, you know, I don't think it was horrible until after this master's heist happened. But I think Perez said it was an accident. And then, of course, like Josh is, you know, Thrive Capital. He's just doing business. And he's like, he knows Scooter through Carly. So I think they're just like doing financial things. I'm sure Scooter was like gleeful to like, I don't know, get a shot in at Taylor. I don't think Carly meant to do it. I know, and, but then you'd have to think like, is she a crook who got caught or is she like a, is she a whoopsie daisy who made a fumble, you know? Well, like I don't the, think the it makes a difference to Taylor because I, I think it's just like, but I mean, she could have assisted Josh to like help them financially, you know? Yeah. Now I don't know if the masters are going to, I mean, Taylor's kind of making it so they're worthless, which is just, I mean, it brings in the whole master's heist, which is so iconic, right? But, you know, I don't know, I don't know what would possess her to do that, except, I mean, Perez made it sound like it was an accident. And I don't, you know, I don't know Carly, but I would hope she would, wouldn't do it on purpose, but it could have been for Josh's financial gain, which of course is Carly's financial gain as well. Yeah. Yeah, once you're a mother, everything changes and you'll do crazy things for the future of your baby. She's like, it wasn't my fault. (laughs) Yeah. Andy, who's your favorite villain? It's kind of a tie between Kim and Kanye and then the Scooter and Scott, just because they're different than the other ones. The the other ones, you know, whether it's like the writers or whatever of Georgia and Ginny, it's just kind of like a little petty thing. But she goes next level with the Kim and Kanye and the Scooter and Scott. And if you think about it, like next level Scooter and Scott is, I'm going to re-record everything. That's taking a next level plus all the responses and just these lengthy things. And no, this is my side. <clears throat> and then the Kim and Kanye, the same thing. She brings it up and you can tell that it really hurt her. And you can tell when things really hurt her because she keeps bringing them up and bringing them up and bringing them up. Unlike, you know, like Katy Perry or something like that. Yeah. See, it's funny because I think I would I would probably go the inverse for my casting of this ballot. I would probably say the Ginny and Georgia tweet or the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler stuff because I feel like that's such an interesting lens into Taylor Swift's psyche where there will be a one sentence, literally one sentence joke about her dating a lot of men. And she will just make such a mountain out of a molehill for like – Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, these comics who during a performance awards, you know, they must have uh, made jokes about like a hundred different people. And Taylor takes that one joke about her dating life so personally that she relates it to this feminist quote about if you're a woman who talks bad about other women, there's like a special place in hell for someone like that, which is like she was young. But she wasn't young when the Ginny and Georgia thing no. happened. And that was one joke. And once again, she breaks this like month long silence to write this very inflammatory tweet. It's bo- I mean, she still hasn't said anything about Roe v. Wade. But when somebody makes one joke on Netflix and then she almost used that weird malicious bargaining chip, like kind of a subtle threat to Netflix saying like, hey, you did my documentary, which let's be honest, you know, Miss Americana, it it wasn't a documentary. Like they didn't interview other people. It was like a promo piece for Taylor by Taylor. Anyway. And she goes like, not a good look because we just worked together on this. And maybe that's a sign of, you know, maybe the joke bothers her so much because she's not dating all of these men, allegedly, who knows. But after a certain time, like you have to understand what the zeitgeist thinks of you and just accept that. Like, I know if I put my name into Reddit, somebody's going to say I'm a QAnon Republican spreading conspiracy theories lies. Right. Like certain people have their things. But like when you go fully like ballistic off of something that's just a joke, literally jokes, I just I don't know. I just think that's such an interesting thing for someone to do both when they're 16 and then also still when they're in their 30s. 
she will not ever have a roast of herself. I mean. Oh, yeah. But how, oh my God, don't you wish that could happen? Next year it's a roast. Next year we're doing a roast. Because can you imagine the the, the lineup, if if the people, like if, you know, you could have Carly Kloss be there and Demi Lovato and just all these people that she's had these feuds with and stuff. I mean, and then, you know, friends, you know, like Spencer or whatever, but it would be, oh, it would be just so good. But she, oh. She has very thin skin. I just, I do. I agree with Shannon that like the Jenny and Georgia thing is so interesting because she basically co-opted all of feminism to be able to talk about, yeah, like kind of a sexist, like kind of a sexist joke, but just so toothless, so toothless. I mean, look at the state of the world now and she won't speak up. And it's like, oh, Taylor, you just did an album era about what a political activist you are yet. Come on. It's, it is crazy. It is. And that's also, I'm very much not the person to be like, every celebrity needs to make a political mm-hmm. stance. If anything, sometimes I kind of find it a little bit infuriating because I'm like, you're just so privileged and so far removed from what the every person goes through that sometimes uh, this support comes off as like a little bit superficial or like you you tweet about it and then forget it because it will never really affect you. So I'm never really one to be like, celebrities have to like make a stand on every single thing that happens. But yeah, exactly. Like she literally made an entire documentary about how she's now going to speak up and she's referred to herself as this resident loud person. And it's like you were the resident loud person speaking up for roughly the time that it took to sell your album. And then you haven't been the resident loud person ever since. So like you like you don't being politically active and a political activist and things like that it's not really something that you get to deem yourself with like other people have to give that title to you after you've proved it with like years of consistent work sticking up for people and like we just haven't seen that and i don't i don't think that <clears throat> i think that she kind of models beyonce on that because beyonce never says anything and i i guess because if you take a side then you are going to get hammered by 50% of the people. But if you don't take a side at all, then, you know, you, you'll, you'll get somebody say, well, how come Taylor hasn't said anything about like this? But those are not the same sharp barbs as if you actually took a side on something. And I agree with you, Shannon, about the celebrities. You know, somebody asked me in my Q&A yesterday about, you know, what does Hollywood think about like Joe Biden and stuff? And I, I was thinking, you know, Hollywood, if you put it in quotes, they're so out of touch with anything anyway, they don't, no, they don't care about the price of gas. They don't care about any of that stuff and how much things cost when you go to the grocery store. And so, you know, to to be, oh, let me say all this stuff. And I'm, it, you know, you're you're not, you know, representing these people you're tweeting to. You're not, you know, the same person. And maybe yeah. Taylor, maybe she doesn't see any kind of upside to it. <clears throat> she just, I don't know. I mean, there is a group of people she has stuck up for. And that's the thing, like writing that letter to Apple Music, right? She does. That was such a fake thing. You think, really? Oh my God. I know we're going to talk about things like that, but that (laughs) that was so fake. Oh, stop. Oh, I thought that she like helped make people more money. No, she was angry at Spotify and it already left them. And she has this deal with Apple. She writes something on on Tumblr or whatever at three o'clock in the morning. And by eight o'clock in the morning, Apple has jumped on board and then they sign her to a deal and she's doing commercials for them. Yeah, she did do a lot of commercials for them. I remember that. But you know what? One thing I want to say is when you mention how Taylor Swift is kind of similar to Beyonce politically, something that I've been thinking of is I think there's they're two huge pop stars, but I think Beyonce 
I think of her as a feminist, not just because of some of her songs, but also when I see her up on stage in her music videos, she's always supporting and promoting other black women, other artists, other things like that. Like she's never the star of her own music video. She pops up, but it's a lot of other people. It's a lot of these narrative things. And I think of Taylor Swift, you know, we all can't get enough of her, but even like the man music video, it's it's Taylor Swift there. You know what I mean? Even all of her songs. I just think it's very interesting how I think Beyonce doesn't, you know, speak up in this huge way. We, we really don't like see or hear from her that much. But I feel like the work that she does, I just always think of her surrounded by other people. And Taylor, I love her to death. But even when she accepted the Billboard's Woman of the Decade Award, that entire speech, it was supposed to be celebrating her. And she was just talking about, it's so hard for me. And I did this. And I couldn't get ahead. And people criticize me, but they don't criticize men. And like, I've tried to do this. And I can never appease people. And I love her to death. That's probably what makes her song so good. But there is this very like, it's it's all about me type of thing that I, I do get with her. And I would just put a little asterisk with Beyonce. It mm. doesn't apply to Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> You know what? I don't know anything. I only know of Jennifer Hudson from the, the movies that she's been in. <laughs> she is an EGOT winner now. She is. Yeah, winner. I saw that recently. I need to see what she was recently in that pushed her over. She won the Tony Award. Oh, the Tonys. Yeah, okay, so Beyonce, you know, keeps trying to get that Oscar. <laughs> Interesting. Well, so does Taylor. You know, That's I think true. Taylor keeps doing these songs, but it's like she doesn't save any of her good songs. For movies. Oh, yeah. It's like, Taylor, just take one of the faves off an album and give it to a movie and you will win an Oscar. And then all she'll need is the Tony, which she can get with a jukebox musical. Yeah. So soon. Ooh. Taylor's going to do it, I think. You mean putting Wildest Dreams and Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron didn't push her over the edge? <laughs> well, I think, I don't think, I think it has to be written. It has to be like for best original movie. song for a movie. But she's doing this carolina for the crawdads saying yeah. movie and now but she's also going to be in a movie but i i think what we've done over in my community is like we kind of had a lot of talks about taylor's such a fake activist and i th i think we talked about it so much we got out of our systems and now we're just like we're back to like taylor's a pop star she doesn't owe us anything besides what she wants to give us. Yes, yes, yes. She made a whole documentary about her political awakening and she sold the lover era on this big activism push, but it was a good aesthetic for the era and she's not an activist and she's a pop star and maybe she'll speak up for the for a cause once in a while. But I think we've all kind of just been like, okay, like, well, let's, we're back to like looking at her like a useless pop star, which is what she is. <laughs> that makes the best music. You almost have to look back at that, you know, that part in the documentary where like everyone's advising her against it. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. maybe they were right. Not that like <laughs> she shouldn't say that she doesn't like Donald Trump, but just the the two edged sword of like once you say that you're going to do something as like a, you know, like then the public feels like they get to hold you accountable to what mm -hmm. you said forever, because that's just the nature of being like so famous. Yeah. Well, let's move to something a little softer, a little cuddly even maybe. Let's award our favorite Taylor Swift cinematic universe ally. Who's whose favorite friend or family member who loves who? Oh, I think that that's a tough one, but I kind of oh, Spencer. I know you guys are all gonna pick Spencer. Um, so I'll pick somebody else. <laughs> I think that maybe Selena Gomez, just because they've been through so much together and she's kind of stood the test of time because Taylor drops friends as, as quickly as she gets them, it feels like. But Selena has been consistently popped up over the years. And so obviously 
you know, they, they have a very strong relationship. Yeah. Well, we love Selena over at my podcast. So that's not who I'm going to pick, but I, I relate to your choice there. Who's your, who's your pick? You know, I have to go with with my fave, which would be Ashley Avignonier, who, like, still to this day will beef with people people on Twitter over Taylor and, like, get out and call Kim Kardashian a whore. Um, <laughs> and just, like, fun stuff like that and, like, liking certain tweets that lets us know certain things. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ashley was around, has been around for over a decade now, and she's literally just this nobody little stylist. And she just seems the best vibes, the coolest vibes. And I, that's, I, I just love her. And I think she's the funniest Taylor ally because of like what she will get down and start saying on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I would have to say immediately when you said that in that vein, I was like Todrick Hall, just because he would also get messy on Twitter. And then that would lead to like other people fighting back and revealing a little bit of something. And obviously I live for the drama. So I would love when he would go on like crazy you know, Twitter hinges. But if I had to pick like an actual ally, I might say Tree Payne just because I love a redhead. And I think what she does, she's so damn good at it. And I love all of the memes about Tree's face in the background and the lyrics where it's like the monsters turned out to be just trees and then like her (laughs) face pops up. I'm like, yeah, that's, it it makes for some good memes. So I'm going to go Tree. Can't go wrong with a milfy redhead. You really (laughs) can't. Okay, so in the similar vein, let's talk about our least favorite Taylor Swift friend or associate or connection because she kind of hangs out with some scumbags yes. from time to time. I am going to jump in and go ahead and say it has to be Lena Dunham because she's just so like the level of narcissism and like blind, like she's just the fucking worst. And I say this as someone who like when she first came out onto the scene and basically was just like writing girls. I kind of liked her a lot, but then it was just like misstep after misstep. And like, people are allowed to make mistakes, but she sort of held herself to this standard of like, well, I'm just like this well-to-do misunderstood artist, writer, you know, sort of how I go against the grain of society. But it's like, you can't just say like racist stuff and bitchy stuff all the time. And, you know, it's just, she always missteps. And like, I used to want to pull for her and, you know, she turned me away from that by being just so noxious, you know? What was the, uh, a male friend of hers was accused by of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And she said, he just doesn't seem like the guy. I think I believe him. And she previously had been tweeting about how we need to believe all women. Yeah. And that happens to her friend. And she's like, didn't she time. molest her sister? <laughs> well, not really. Okay. That's uh, people say that, but no. I mean, she, you know, was like a four-year-old that was like curious well, about bodies. Can and, I say, you know, what's even weirder than like touching your, you know, baby sister's vagina when you're a toddler? Choosing to put that in a book for everyone yes. to read when you're a full ass mm-hmm. adult. I'm like, True. that's even weird. Like when I was a kid, God knows me and my friends would like play doctors. We actually called it train station. We would go into a closet and like all touch each other. (laughs) (laughs) Train station. I don't even know why that it didn't even have to do with trains. I feel like kids do that stuff. But as an adult, would I ever write in a book about how it happened? I'd be like, probably that one stays. Well, I just said it now, but I'd probably be like, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't say anyone's name. So I'll take that to the grave. But like, that's weird to put it in your book. I don't know. She's a mess. I'm going to go with Ed Sheeran just because I think that he only looks out for himself. And he, you know, the whole with the scooter thing, 
you know, he still works with Justin Bieber, still works with a lot of Scooter's clients, and he didn't want to upset that relationship and come out and support Taylor. And it was just the most milk toast. It's kind of like when Joe Alwyn's asked about Taylor, but it, it was just, there was no support there at all. And I, I just, I think that that's a loser move. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. You know what, Cam? I think I'm going to have to also go Lena Dunham. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, I wish I could pick someone else, but she's a force greater than anything. <laughs> I feel like we could name Camila Cabello as like a, also a runner up for me because yes. she's just the worst. I've just, we're in the midst of a fifth harmony deep dive on my podcast and she is an absolute mess of a person. And all those girls were so messy so I think for me, she could get a, you know, if we wanted to mention somebody else, she could get like a, a, a runner up prize. Yeah. yeah. Let me know when you do the Normani one. Cause I want to listen. <clears throat> um, it's up. Oh, okay. Good. We called it Norman by. Okay. Because some like my guests think she's by. So, you know, we love <laughs> a pun <laughs> to me. I was very into the like Camila and Lauren Haragi. Like, was there something there or not? And it's sort of like, I started looking into it to debunk it. Because I was like, oh, surely these girls did not hook up. And like, after researching, I was like, oh, no, I kind of believe a little of this. I totally believe that they hooked up. Yeah. Yeah. I think Camila was fully in love with her. We go into it. Camila Cabello Conspiracies is the name of my podcast episode on it. Like, I fully think Camila was into her and maybe something resulted from it. Who knows? Okay. Now, this is, I mean, this is where it's going to start to get juicy. Favorite Taylor conspiracy theory? Shannon. Arrived. I know. I'm like, okay, I feel like we're going to say, I mean, to me, the obvious winner is that she's secretly queer. And then we're going to go talk about that. So, other than Gaylor, yes. maybe some of the others, because I feel like that has to win first prize for all of us, right? Actually, yeah. no. I, I don't know. I don't think that that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was gonna say just true. NTU don't believe, <laughs> but there is, but there is a conspiracy about it. Okay, and see, well, if, if you've got feelings about it, what's your favorite? Well, you know, everybody always says, "Oh, the Satanist and reincarnated," but that Satanist is still alive, so you can't go with that one. Um, <laughs> the so my favorite has got to be the Four Chan, just because of the amount of work that people have done to try and convince the world that that Taylor was an anonymous person on Four Chan. And they bring up some really good arguments and, you know, with pictures and, oh, like the cat Meredith and all this kind of stuff. And, and they point out different days and, but it was the kitten one that really got me hooked the most just because of the date of when this anonymous person put Meredith. And then there was an article at the same time, like meet Taylor Swift's new kitten Meredith. And they were the same day. So for those of you who don't know, just so the listeners know what we're talking about. So 4chan is like a a posting website, kind of like Reddit, but weirder. And people have done all this analysis saying that Taylor used to post there. And the main proof is that somebody posted a picture of a kitten that looks like Taylor's cat and said, um, Trips gets to name my new cat. Now Trips is when somebody hits like three in a row of like their posting number or something, basically. I don't entirely understand 4chan, but Trips hits basically. And um, they said Meredith. And then right after that, Taylor's cat got named Meredith. Now we did a deep dive into this on one of my weird rumors episodes, Mm -hmm. which is up on my podcast I feel like what we concluded was some of the some of the screenshots or evidence was like made after the fact but it's hard to know pictures on 4chan are definitely pictures of her but you just don't know if they were if they she posting that or not yeah yeah 
But there is a lot of evidence. People have said like, somebody posted a picture of a wall and was like, oh, you know, look at this place I'm at or something basically. And it looks like her wall. So there's some like different things. There's some compelling stuff, but like I could totally see Taylor creeping around on, I'm sure. Like, you know, that girl has a fence you know, that girl like is commenting on Reddit. Yeah. Like surely. So maybe was she on 4chan back in the day? I could see it. I, I could totally see it. And I mean, because if I, you know, the thing about a conspiracy theory is there has to be some kind of possibility that it could be true. And mm-hmm. there's enough, you know, maybe they were done afterwards and stuff like that, but there's enough out there where you go, hmm, you know, it's, it's, that's why it's my favorite, just because I, I think that there's, I like when people have done the digging and stuff and just worked really hard at trying to prove something. And I mean, they, they did a good job. I mean, I'm convinced that celebrities and famous people are online a lot more than we would think. Because if you think about it, they can't go to the grocery store without being mobbed. They can't walk down the street. But if they get an anonymous username and they're in a chat room or a thread, they're talking to regular normal people and kind of getting that online digital experience of being out in a crowd and talking to strangers and things like that. So I fully believe that a lot more celebrities participate in these online forums than we think because it's their chance to just be like any of us online yes. without anybody knowing who they are. hundred percent. Agreed. My favorite conspiracy theory. I mean, the suitcase does call to me the idea Ooh, that she was yes. <laughs> being in those suitcases because she didn't want to be seen physically for a year. Um, but the whole idea of the lost rock album. Baby. Yeah, it's her and the baby in the suitcase. <laughs> the idea of the Karma album. So like that whole when she dyed her hair bleach and, it, you know, was she maybe going to do a rock album named Karma? She's referenced in interviews. She said quotes like Karma is real. Karma was featured on the man music video. Mm, and That's what gets me, man. Yeah. So there's just a lot of ones. Also, I did a TikTok video how her Apple Music commercials were all her lip syncing to rock songs. And she also, in the 1989 tour, started doing these rock covers of songs. And I think like there is a lost album where we have Rocky Taylor. I actually, I, it's hard for me to choose. I mean, for me, the gayler of it all is the real winner, but uh, choosing a sub conspiracy to that, I do think. I think I have to agree with the lost album because like it's so much from her. She has said the word karma. Karma is real. She said that in her 73 questions with Vogue interview. And then she went and put karma on the wall in the man music video with all the names of all her other albums. Yes. So like she is giving, you know what I mean? Like, and when it comes from Taylor, you know, when fans sort of come up with things or, you know, people are perusing and looking into things like credit, you know, where credit, where credit is due, you could be right. But like Taylor does plug these clues in. We know that we've talked about her Easter eggs and it's just, of course she has a lost era. Like, of course, like she's always writing music. Like she didn't release an album from 2014 all the way to 2017. There has, there is music there. Like, I, th- I hope we get to hear it on the reputation re-records, but I agree. I think I think the karma theory is is a pretty it's a great Taylor theory. There's tons of stuff that's like come from her. It's a very full bodied. The album name too, like Speak Now, Fearless, 1989, Reputation, Karma. Like it just it's not like the name of the album was like Chicken Noodle Soup or something. You're like, what? Like <laughs> right. it just sounds like yeah, a Taylor album. And it you know right. easily could be because I mean think about how much how many songs that she recorded that don't make it onto an album, right? 
And so she could have had extras. And she goes, you know, I could just make a couple more. And, you know, because these all sound like rock. And then I was just getting to the whole karma thing, <clears throat> just because Carly and then karma and they kind of go together. Oh, and also, and look what you made me do. She goes, but not for me, not for me. All I think about is karma. So there's like a bunch of karma references. Yeah. I, it w- I never put the Carly. Auntie always bringing the Kayla to the table. I never thought of that. I'm surprised I haven't seen more sort of like speculating around the car or the car. I mean, maybe. Because if she's writing love songs about her Carly Gloss, it's during that period of time. Because by the time she started Reputation, she starts writing about somebody from London. Like, who is that? I don't know. But Well, don't you think? Yeah, it just, it fits because it it's such a, a good word for that, right? It's just mm-hmm. Carly. And then what do I want? You know, I want karma. And it's just how we join, you know, things together, like Benefer or whatever, you know, Swift Gron and all that stuff. I mean, it's just karma. And it it just goes with it all. So I've always thought of it as a Carly karma combo yeah i i mean the crazy thing is is like we might get it she literally could just you know because she's talking about all the re-records in the man music video and she includes the word karma i don't know but if if it is from between rap era and 1989 era it would that's where all the kaylor songs would be in my opinion i'm not saying there's not kaylor songs later on i think you know she comments on that possibly later but um and maybe that's why she didn't release it because it was so everybody would have said, okay, all these songs are about, you know, Carly. I mean, everybody did that with reputation anyway. So, you know. I am really excited to say that we have Thrive Cosmetics sponsoring today's podcast. You've probably seen them before online. I have been seeing Thrive Cosmetics for a while and I have been dying to try because I've been seeing so many videos of their mascara that they have. And let me just say like all of the videos are completely accurate. So the name of the mascara they have, it's their best-selling product. They have a bunch. It's called the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara and it opens your eye. It actually looks like you're wearing lash extensions, which is crazy. And I also really love, there's another product of theirs that I'm using called the Brilliant Eye Brightener. That's great. You just throw it on your eye and it just makes it look a little bit brighter, but also very natural. Not like you're trying hard at all. Something else that I love about Thrive Cosmetics, they have a mission, it's called Bigger Than Beauty. So for every product that is purchased, Thrive Cosmetics will donate to help women thrive. And they support causes like women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, things like that, which I absolutely adore that. So now is a great time. You can try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash fluently. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash fluently, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Okay, well, since we have brought up Gaylor, which in my opinion is the most fun conspiracy theory about Taylor, although as Indy pointed out, is it even a conspiracy theory at this point, or is it just accepted fact by all cool people? It's a commandment. Let's talk favorite alleged girlfriend shannon who you got i have to go carly claus i really do there's just something also the the house she lived in in the west village is pretty near me and i will tell you i try to have most of my walks go Mm. by and i listen to cruel summer and i go snuck in through the garden (laughs) there's a security guard across the street he like looks at me weird every time i walk there but when they were together like 
this was before I wasn't even looking up theories online of is Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss, you know, an item. Their friendship, and I'm saying it, it's very personal to me because basically everyone I've been best friends with in my life, I, I was like secretly hooking up with, obviously. So the minute I saw the Normal two of them being, stuff. yeah, just like girls being girls. But the minute I saw the two of them being best friends all over, and I could talk about, I'm going to have to tone this down, but anytime Taylor Swift is with someone, she's not touchy. She's not affectionate. She's like a little bit robotic, little, you know, stiff, like arm over. Her and Carly Kloss were just like two very natural, like always wrapped around each other. It was just so, I loved looking at them. I love them. The Vogue when have two best friends ever been on the cover of Vogue getting married and going on a road trip and sleeping in the same bed? It's just like, we need to use our minds, people. Like, this is so obvious. And it just gave us so such great content. They literally looked like each other. They were doppelgangers, doppelbangers. And I love them. I love Carly Kloss. I'm going to end here. I could go on forever, though. Nobody was yeah. doing it like them. The content. Nobody. Content with a Nobody. K. I... <laughs> I can't decide if Cam is going to pick Lily or Diana. So, um, but I have to go with with Carly too, just because it just it's the most clues. It's the most um, clues with a K. K. Um, <laughs> I I just I really enjoy it, and I think that there's so many people that would say, "Yep, yeah, yep," yeah. and then just I I just it's it's always going to be my favorite. There was one Reddit comment that I saw where somebody was like new to Gaylor and they said that they're when they thought of it, they were watching Taylor Swift. Cam, you would know when she's wearing the green dress and Carly goes as her date to the award show. Um, it was, the, was it the AMAs? Yeah. In 2014. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and they Diana were like, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. But they were like, I was watching the award show and I was like, Whichever friend that is, they didn't know who Carly Claus was. They were like, whatever friend invited her, I wonder if Taylor knows that, like, her friend is, like, in love with her. And you <laughs> watch it, and Carly, like, cannot stop staring at Taylor. And I'm like, even people who didn't know Carly Claus, who she was, they were like, there might be something there. There's a vibe. Yeah. Well, since the superlative here is favorite and not most believable, oh. I'll, I'll give both. But my favorite, of course is Miss Diana Agron. Of course, that that interest in that potential relationship is what drug me into Gaylor. I, I love Swift Girl. I feel like Swift Girl's really clean. It's like basically you just have a year kind of of content to watch. And then you, you know, and it it did it doesn't go on and on. You know, there's sort of this clean break that happens. And I don't know. I mean, Diana is just otherworldly, beautiful, and I adore it. But I'll share also aside from favorite, most likely, I think is Julianne Hough. Most realistic or like likely hookup for me is actually Julianne Hough. And it doesn't hurt that I talk to someone who's friends with somebody who worked for her and heard some things, but also Julianne is out as queer. They had this weird, you know, get together at Katy Perry's birthday party. So I'm going to give points to Julianne Hough for being, in my opinion, sort of like, I can really pinpoint a hookup there that like, very solidly, I think, happened that you don't need a bunch of like, oh, this clue in the song or like, oh, you know, all this. Of course, that's kind of the fun part about Gaylor is the clues in the songs. But of course, favorite person who's alleged to have dated uh, Taylor would be Diana. Did I tell you guys I met her? What, Diana? Yeah, I went to her jazz, her little jazz residency at the oh Cafe my- Carlisle. Tell us everything. Well, you know, we, we've talked about it on the on my Patreon pod. She was like way better at singing than I thought she would be. 
like mm. she wasn't perfect, you know, like, and some jazz singers are like in- truly incredible, talented artists. Like I wouldn't put her in that level, but she was way better than I thought she was going to be. And she was so engaging and she's so tiny. She's so short and skinny, skinny, skinny. And just, but she was really sweet. And I made her laugh. What did you say? So, well, my friend who you were like, she, laugh if you've had sex with Taylor Swift. And she was like, Haha. yeah, and then she started cracking up. No, my friend um, who hosts my podcast sometimes with me, Kara, she, um, she diet, we were, some people were taking pictures with her in our group and, uh, Diana's like, well, you know, she speaks like this fucking transatlantic accent movie star. She's like, well, I think the light is coming from here. And then my friend is like, uh, actually it's coming better from over here, which is so funny because like my friend would literally eat glass if it meant that like she got to be friends with Diana or something. But here in her, this moment where she's meeting her, she's like nagging her and being like, actually you dumb bitch, the light's better from this side. And so I just like very quickly was, uh, I said something like, oh great, we got a real director of photography over here. And Diana giggled when I said that. And I was like, ah, life made, that's all I needed. All I needed was to make her laugh. But um, we were very normal and we just said she did a good job and some of us got pictures with her and, you know, but it was really fun to meet her. You could tell that she's a giggler too. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like she doesn't laugh. She doesn't ha ha. She doesn't chortle. She's, she's a giggle girl. You know, she just has that look about her. She's so dainty. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway was like, oh, we do not know these people. Like actually being in front of her, like in front of her head that contains her brain that knows everything about her life. I was like, I can't believe I've ever gone on the internet and actually like, I know anything about this girl. Like we do not know. Like it's so fun to write a Swift Grind master post and like get on a podcast and like theorize and stuff. But I feel like when we see them in real life, like, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure we've gotten tea that's accurate from time to time, but just seeing her in real life was, it was almost humbling. It was just like, yeah, yeah, you have fun like guessing about her, but you do not know this girl. And honestly, you don't deserve to know her. You know, it's just like my takeaway. Like I've read erotic fan fiction about Diana (laughs) Angron. You know what I mean? And like there is some part in the back of my brain that probably like stores it away and like thinks that it's real and it like seeps Mm -hmm. out into my brain. And it's like, yeah, like I have no idea who these people are. No idea. Yeah. That was my biggest takeaway was like, oh, you peasant. You do not know this girl. <laughs> Wait, Enti, so. have you ever met Diana? Yeah, I've met her a few times. Did she giggle? I don't know if she giggled. <laughs> it was, you know, I, I don't remember if she giggled at all. But yeah, so I, I've met most of the, the Glee cast at one point or another. <clears throat> but going back to Julianne Huff for a second, mm-hmm. you know, she's also been a beard. So if yes. you think about it, it kind of, you know, okay, well, Taylor goes, okay, you know, this is the same kind of thing. I could do that, you know. So it kind of, I agree with you that it's probably the most likely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also with Julian Huff, I think it was just like kind of a brief fling for a bit. And actually Julianne was cheating on her boyfriend with Taylor is what I heard. Well, you know, allegedly the entire Huff family is just, yeah, they, there's so many stories about Derek and, and also, you know, if you think about Julianne's um, brief marriage to, um, to Brooks, you know, and he came out while they were married, and I think that she probably encouraged him to do that. So I, I totally can see that. Mm-hmm. So Shannon, you have brought up. We should talk about this favorite, or just like most convincing, or just like stone cold lock pick of the week, most convincing Gaylor Easter egg or proof. Now, there's tons of these to list. I'm gonna jump in and say one. My, the one that I just cannot get over and cannot move 
past and will bring up probably every time I ever talk about Gaylord to somebody is her saying gay pride defines me or gay pride makes me me when she was talking about plotting out the uh, me music video. And she's saying, we're going to include all this stuff that applies to you, Brendan Urie. And then we're going to include all this stuff that applies to me. And she lists cats, cats, country, Western boots, gay pride. She lists a couple things and she, and she says gay pride at the end. And it's just like, I don't care how out of touch or like delusional some of these celebs can get. Taylor is not so stupid that she would say that and it not be it, like straight Taylor Swift doesn't say that. She just doesn't. Well, it's you just know? the weirdest thing ever for a straight person to say. That would be like me being like, you know, all the things that make me me, um, mac and cheese, the Sims, disabled people's rights and wheelchair accessibility. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, like I'm for that, but like it's not personal to me because I don't have experience. So a straight person being like, what makes me me is like gay pride. It would be like, what? Don't you mean allyship? Yeah, it yeah. just, I, and and it's a music video about herself. And, and then a, yes, it's a gay music video at that too. Right. I mean, the rainbows, there's literally a pride parade happening. She gets <laughs> lifted up. It's like literally imagine if she's straight and that music video happens and she's leading a gay pride parade. And then she makes the gay people lift her up and a rainbow shines <laughs> down on her. Imagine how, like, I almost wish she were straight because it'd be so funny. If well, that was the I case, I was um, rewatching the "You Need to Calm Down" music video, and I was trying to watch it through the lens of let's imagine Taylor Swift is perfectly straight, and she's in this music video, and I'm watching it through that lens, and I'm like, "Get out of the way! Get out of the way!" Like you're taking up so much space from these people who are actually in the community. Like, also, I think when when people have done, because you know, every once in a while, a musical artist does a video with an altruistic message and things like that, and typically the music video for that, they're not in because they want the message to shine. So if like Taylor's just doing, uh, you know, you need to calm down, don't step on our crowns and things like that. And she's in it the entire time. That would be like, if you're completely straight, like you're not an ally, you're, you're completely centering this about yourself. The only way it makes sense is if she isn't straight. Right. I mean, it's literally like that music video is literally just her shoving out queer people out of frame to center herself. <laughs> like, I hope to God she's not straight because, you know, and this is her big ally era and her big, you know, social justice era. You would think I'm I'm sorry, like Taylor's a lot of things, but I do not think she's stupid. And yeah. I do believe like during that time, like she brought in people to sort of educate on, well, you know, here's what's important for like trans people because she's not going to know about that or like black queer people, like here's a lens that you might want to consider. Like, I do think she did surround herself with people and I just can't imagine one of them would have, you know, would have said, and, and, you know, we really don't need to be like lifting up straight people in the middle of our pride parade to carry on our shoulders and make them the center of attention. Like, you know, it's it's just, it's bonkers to imagine the lover era with the perspective of, oh, she's completely 100% straight. Yeah, it's nuts. Okay, my, and Cam, check me on this to see if I'm not fully repeating sure a conspiracy thing. theory, because sometimes I do that. But I'm pretty sure the, the album art for the cover of Folklore is taken in the same forest that Carly Kloss got married in. I think this is somewhat true, but it is just a like a an upstate New York area where rich people do like to go and Blake yes. and um, Ryan's lake house is there. Yes. So she took it on their property. So I don't think it's the exact 
it's not the same forest, but I think those trees, exactly. It's not the same trees, but I mean, fair enough. You know, like, I think it's fair enough. It's hard to know because she she was just spending all quarantine with Blake and Ryan. So like, that is just where like the rich people of New York City do go there. So, but I mean, I believe it was in the same like town, you know? Yeah, it was close, but it might not have been the same patch of forest. But I was going to say, if it was... I feel like that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, it's just like I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my butt. I know it in my bones. <laughs> like I just know for sure that this has happened. And for me, too, it's just like when I listen to Right Where You Left Me or Cruel Summer, like the only thing I can think of is Carly Kloss. So I guess my proof isn't even proof. It's just like I'll, I'll go with the Vogue cover shoot. Show me show me another time that two best friends have done a a coverage on valentine's day are you kidding me like when else has that ever happened am i taking crazy pills like who's done that okay do you want me to ruin that for you or should we just not i don't want to ruin anything was it on valentine's day it was not on valentine's day but carly and taylor copied that shoot from two other girl girl best friends like the whole road trip they must have been fucking (laughs) who was it i I, it's two it's like two famous models i i i like one of them has a weird name that starts with a p like polenta or something i'd have to look hey guys this is cam coming to you during the edit the photo shoot was with poppy delavine and alexa chung i have to give this a google but you know what i'm so crazy that instead of thinking that it's less normal i'm like those two models were definitely in a relationship fair enough they may have been they went out on a road trip and these two girls like they left each other voicemails i think was part of the art of it all and it was kind of the same it was a very similar like west coast road trip thing so but i mean listen hey maybe those two models were involved right yes uh, but, you know, I think for Kaler, I'm actually going to go with, I'll give you a Kaler one, mm-hmm. announcing Folklore the day that Carly announced her engagement two years later and then releasing Exile as a single on Carly's birthday mm-hmm. and how that actually matches up. The lyrics of Exile match up with a blind item that Inti had about them, like of having a friendship breakup or a breakup breakup in 2015. Yeah. Uh, had the minutes to leave us, right? Like it yep. took you five whole minutes to pack up and yeah. 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 Because dates, as we have established, dates mean something to Taylor. She purposely uses dates in her Easter egging and all of that. And then, you know, what are the odds that she's going to announce folklore the same day that Carly announced her engagement? And then two weeks later, she's going to drop exile as a single on Carly's birthday. Like, I'm sorry, but like, Taylor, could she have forgotten the engagement day? Sure. I mean, if they weren't close anymore or they're even like fighting at this point, maybe she doesn't have that memorized. But the birthday that they celebrated together so many times, she knew that day. She did not have to release a song on that day. That's what I'll say. But it's it's kind of hard to ignore when dates are so meaningful to Taylor. I just think that for all the photos that they've taken, and I just, I look back and <clears throat> to some extent, you know, with Diana, but just the, the extent of the photos and the extent of the interactions with Carly and all these different, you know, things that Taylor has done that aren't with anybody else, really. And and then I can't forget about the kiss. I just. Oh, yeah. How did we forget about the kiss? You know, that that just kind of like, uh, you know, I just I I'm always going to go with that. Always. Mm. That's always going to be my proof. It's 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 where it starts. You can go back and you can look at all the songs and everything. But the number one piece of evidence that everybody talks about at first is the kiss. That did get them a lot of attention. You know? Legendary mm-hmm. moment. 
Yeah, I'm so, I'm so used to the deep dives and stuff that I forgot about the whole, like, literally making out at the concert. That's probably the first time people ever heard of Kaler was the kiss. Yeah. yeah, that did draw a lot of people in. <laughs> Forget about the kiss. I actually just saw, I saw some footage from that night that I had never seen before. Today, just today, somebody was tweeting. Oh, um, you should sh- share it, share it in the chat. <laughs> I was sending it over. It, well, to me, it was like a bit, it was sort of, it looked like, it was weird, but it looked like Taylor was coming on to Carly and she was kind of rejecting her is how I took it. It did seem like that in some of the footage where like Taylor was a little bit, you know, allegedly tipsy and like going forward and Carly was like, okay, like I'm trying to watch the concert. Like, I mean, and if you talk about Kissgate, you have to talk about the Kissgate likes where before she went out, she was literally liking Taylor Shipper stuff on Tumblr, truly just buzzed and like, on the internet, like getting ready with her friends. Like she thinks she's some normal person. She can get just drunk and like things on Tumblr about her and her friends. Then when she came back, she went and liked all that stuff that was mad at Kayla shippers. This change between like liking, I think she, I think she liked something that said, I can make the the straight girls gay for the weekend, like some pretty explicit, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when she gets back, and like, there's all this uproar. And the next day she tweets, oh, media, don't ship me with my friends anymore. And so all the cupcake Swifties are like, see, she, are you happy? You freaks. Like she addressed it, leave her alone. And she went and liked it. Like the ups and downs of that iconic sort of night for yeah. gailers everywhere. Well, I remember everyone was so upset because they were like, they, she called us freaks. What if Harry Styles' new song, Little Freaks, is just about KLR shippers? It's like oh my God, it dedicated to the freaks. I feel like if Harry was going to sing about any shippers, it would be about his own. So, probably. <laughs> probably. Oh, and I think SwiftCon's best proof is the baby music video. Uh, I have a TikTok on that. It's pinned at the top of my TikTok, what I will say. So we had a few other little fun, fun ones. Um, favorite thing that Taylor has ever faked? Tom Hiddleston. I, yes i mean it's just i love that i love that whole fake thing it just it's my all-time favorite not just with taylor and faking but just all-time showman's kind of thing and just going forward in every aspect and it was just something that couldn't be kept up in that that level it's it's the same as like julia and kanye you just you can't keep that same intensity and have shoots and restaurants, you, you run out of ideas and things. So it just, it can't last very long. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's, that's always my favorite fake. For me, I think it has to be the country accent because I'll say in her defense that like, when I get around more Southern people, my Southern accent comes out a lot more. And, but like when she said on, I think folklore, um, I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. It's so true. Like she fully put on a fake accent for years and years of her life to like try and meld into this country scene. And then, you know, she leaves it and bam, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I know Taylor. I know baby. Like, I know you just want to fit in so bad. I think it's adorable that she did that. Yeah. It was cute. Little baby Taylor. I love Mm -hmm. those moments. I think I'm going to have to say her putting Zendaya in the bad blood music (laughs) video because Everyone was like coming out with think pieces where it's like Taylor Swift's girl squad. We love it. We love it. It's toxic. It's toxic. It's toxic. It's harmful. And then everybody was like, they're also literally all gorgeous, thin, white models. And then Taylor Swift in the Bad Blue music video was like, quick, Kendrick Lamar, quick Zendaya. Like, even though we like haven't really hung out like before or after. And I think... I think when everything was going on with Taylor Swift and Kanye West, I think Zendaya liked a few tweets 
mm-hmm. that were basically saying that like she was never really friends with her. Yeah, um, I think she did some shady, something like that. Like, yeah, and things like that, which I'm like, what did she fake? Like, you know, a, re- a relationship with Zendaya? It was just like everyone else in that music video was like literally like a thin white supermodel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even, and then Lena Dunham. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be my favorite. Fair enough. Okay, um, this is another good one. Most, the cringiest moment she had with one of her boyfriends. Who wants to jump in on this? There's so many, honestly. I'm going to do the hail or kiss at midnight because I was actually, I was there for that New Year's Eve in Times Square, but I was, my friend's mom worked in Times Square. So we were (gasps) in her office building with like big binoculars looking down. Their body language was awkward. Everything about the two of them together was awkward. And then the video, I recently reshared it on Instagram where they kiss But like, it's like a quick peck gone wrong. And then they kind of move back. And to me, I swear I can see it as clear as day. Taylor mouths, do you want to do that again? And he goes, what? And she goes, do you? And then they do it again. Oh my God. I have to go um, look. The video. Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll find it and and send it to you guys. But I can see her mouth in that. And to me, it was just like, we need to get a picture. And you didn't. You kissed my chin. We have to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in some of the footage, you can see somebody else is filming them and it's her brother. Ooh, Austin. Austin Swift is like sitting there right in their faces <laughs> with his phone out, taking a video as if he was like going to be the one to go post it to Twitter under like a Stan Twitter account. So like, I, like why? Yeah. Like when my sister has kissed her, like, uh, you know, husband, fiance, boyfriend back in the day, I've never been like, awesome. <laughs> let me, do, like, do let me catch this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we get another take? That is very weird to me. You have to imagine like if like a camera crew were there, okay. It's obviously going to read as fake to people around them, but they're just like, we'll let Austin film it. Cause we need the footage. Like if somebody doesn't happen to catch this magical moment, at least Austin can video it and he'll just look like a fan in the crowd. You know, that's a good point. It can't be Paula, her PR person at the time. That would be too obvious. So I feel like so staged, so cringy, so fake. I think that mine has got to be Connor Kennedy Mm -hmm. being signed out of high school for a date. Because not just because it's so cringy, but it just reinforced how young Taylor was dating. You know, when you look at it now, like Harry or Connor, you know, Taylor Laudner. I mean, everybody's so young. And I just, but that's, I mean, can you imagine, you know, oh, you're going out on a date today. Yeah, but I got to go sign him out of high school first. Got to get him out of class. And you're. Her, her oh. and Jerry Seinfeld are like, oh, this is too rough. I know. <laughs> I hate when this happens. <laughs> I think that his girlfriend was actually out of high school. Barely. Wasn't she? Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I, I remember I him. So. I think he dropped her off at a high school once. Oh, maybe. I mean, she was, she was definitely 18 or 19. So. If she was 18, then she for sure still could have been in high school. Well, let me just say, Shannon, last time you and I talked, I was like, yeah, I actually think she was hooking up with Connor Kennedy. I take that back. I got new information that you two are privy of that makes me think they were not hooking up and it was a fake summer fun fake hangout. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to go with Calvin filming her during their one year anniversary with the cake that looks so pathetic she's being so weird and he's like we got a one-year cake and she like nods like a little kid almost and it's very bizarre and because at this point I do think just he's been cheating on her like I think 
I think after a while, it all went to hell. But Taylor was like, no, everybody says I break up with my boyfriends too fast. We will go beyond a year. And like, I think she was just like, we have to keep seeing each other. I don't care. I know you're cheating on me. Like I'm probably hooking up with Carly Gloss anyway, but like, we're going to keep this relationship going because I want to look better because all my relationships last three months. And I promise you a Grammy. Yeah, that too. And also I feel like the cake is so ugly and Taylor's (laughs) kind of famous for making these beautiful baked goods And this literally looks like, do I have to make this? And it's just so like crummy looking. I think that's really funny. The cake was ugly. It looks like the cake that Hagrid sat on in Harry Potter, but it's Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly like that. Okay, favorite Grammy Gate evidence. So for people who don't know, Grammy Gate is this idea that Taylor like fake Joe's participation to some extent as William Barry writing on folklore and then like, after the fact went and added him as a producer to get him this Grammy that like he obviously does not deserve or earn so much to be said about Grammy gate. Um, so what's y'all's favorite Grammy gate proof that it's all BS. Like what, what are we thinking about favorite Grammy gate moment? I got to go the Jack Antonoff of everything. Like Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different moments. One is when Taylor Swift is accepting the Grammy and she shouts out Joe and his face is just like a little bit weird behind her But the favorite of all time is in the long pond sessions where Taylor is describing who William Bowery is. And she says, you know, it's Joe. And who's the other guy who's there? It's Jack Antonoff, her and Aaron. Yeah. Aaron Desner. Aaron. And Taylor's talking about how, you know, Joe was, you know, writing on these songs. And she talks about how she came into the room and, you know, he was just like, playing I think it was like piano and he was singing the fully formed chorus of Betty and how he plays music and you know sang that and Jack goes lyrics too Jesus because <laughs> like, he says yeah I never met William so like Jack Antonoff who does everything with you musically like never met William in the process of this and then he doesn't he's like wow I can't believe he literally has Grammy like music ability and then when he goes lyrics to Jesus I was just like yeah Jesus lyrics well, and too. like during that like Jack is being kind of cheeky or just being like yeah we don't know who William like I never met William and then Taylor's sort of like so William is Joe as we know and ja- and like it's just I feel like whatever is going on she, this is not something she sat down and cleared with her co like. Especially Aaron, especially. Yeah, they just sit there like seemingly clueless and Taylor's like, oh, we know it's Joe. And like, why why especially Aaron? Because he hadn't really worked with her. So it's it's Jack. Okay, you know, this is Taylor being Taylor or whatever. But you got to also realize that you have Jack and you have Aaron. Somebody is taking partial credit for their work. So- And if if you notice on the credit changes, right, William Bowery is still a writer. Joe was added as a producer. Why? Okay. If if William Bowery is Joe, why not just add William Bowery when the change was made? Because Joe needed a Grammy, not William Bowery. Yes. That has always been a big point for me. That it's William Bowery. And in some parts of the copyright, it's Willem spelled wrong, which is like, Oh, how many, how many typos do you think Taylor's legal team and like music production team, like let's through surely it's zero. 
when he won, I had kind of been like, okay, Joe's William Bowery, it's fine. Like they're really together. I don't think he's a great music writer, but maybe he suggested a few words here and there he wrote on the songs. But then when Joe Alwyn won the Grammys and William Bowery didn't, I got on my shit of like, oh, this is all a whole, like, this is a hoax, obviously, because, you know, they, they go to all this trouble. Oh my gosh. There it is. (laughs) There it is. She's permeated my brain. It's just, it's so ridiculous that it's like all these things about the copyright, but then also for me, the biggest thing I cannot give over, get over is like, so Joe has finally spoken to the public for the first time ever since he's had all these flop TV shows come out and flop movies come out in the past few months. And he, of course, got asked about it. Bless some of these reporters' hearts. Some of them were like, you see how it's kind of hard for us to believe you wrote these songs, Joe? Like, it's it was some fun, like, reporting being done. But he tells this story about how he, quote-unquote, wrote the fully formed verse of Exile in one go, which harkens back to Taylor two years previous, saying he wrote the fully formed chorus of Betty like walking around the house. Why are they using this sort of specific language two years apart to say fully formed course, fully formed verse? First of all, like that's, I feel like that's not really how songwriting works, particularly if you're not good at it. Secondly, okay, if he fully formed, wrote the fully formed something of something, well, you know, of Betty, fully formed verse of Betty. That's what Taylor said back in 2020 at the Long Pond Sessions. Fair enough. That's, I guess that's just what happened, whatever. And he's writing the but gayest then, song. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Well, both Exile and Betty have male perspectives in them. So it's just like, oh, you know, it's. uh, But the fully formed of it, I've never even wrote a thank you note to someone that was fully mm -hmm. formed in one go. I pause and I like, I think about it. And it's just this idea of like, you have no musical talent whatsoever. You're on camera in previous interviews saying that you don't have a good singing voice, saying that you don't have good musical talent. And all of a sudden, not only are you a Grammy winner, but you wrote it in a fully formed, you know, second. And also you're kind of like shitting on the whole process in every single interview yes. being like, it was just something fun to do during quarantine. Who cares? He literally like, said, oh, I'd had something to drink. And we couldn't decide on a movie, so I just wrote the song. He's describing writing a Grammy song, like, hooking up with some slag that you see at the bar during Last Call. You're like, ah, I got drunk, and I was like, this could be some fun for a little bit of time, you know? Like, it's like, what? It's a Grammy. Well, here's, here's, this is, this is my big problem with Taylor. I also have a problem with the Grammys that they're allowed to do this. But this is the biggest tell of the whole thing, is also, you get the nominations, right? So you have purposely withheld these credits, right? That someone deserves. If, if Joe did it, you have withheld these credits from him or what did you, you credited someone for work they didn't do like a month after the Grammys to get an award. I mean, Uh what you do is you go, Oh, the nominations came out. Oh, you know, we need to do, we need to change it. It doesn't have you as, as the credit. Uh And that's, that's, I don't understand it. No other situation. Would you do this? If you go back and look at the history of time, nobody's amending credits because people want their credit for things. And yeah, well, a similar thing happened that year with Beyonce and Blue Ivy and the nominations came out and they had not submitted correctly for Blue to get her little credit. And so they sent it back and they fix it after the nominations came out. So why didn't Taylor fix it then? It was like, oh, actually, actually, you know, we messed this up. You know, he 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 did produce on these songs. We submitted it the wrong way then that's the time to fix like a genuine mistake, like just a genuine, oh, oops, we forgot this, which I mean, 
they didn't because on the, even on the album, it doesn't have him listed as a producer. So you have to choose. Did Taylor leave him off as a producer unfairly, stealing labor and work from him? Yes. And like stealing his ability to make money on songs when the album first came out? Or, so that's a mistake and like not the right thing to do. Or did she you know, Adam as a producer so he could have the Grammy, which seems very explicitly clear that that is what she did. Yeah, for validation. She, You know, for mm-hmm. validation from her boyfriend. Well, I think she wants them both to be EGOTs. So how is he ever going to get the Grammy without her help? You know? Well, how is he, he ever going to get an Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. She can't give him that. I guess write, write a movie song together because he's not going to get it acting. An EGOT, like he's he's barely an actor. He's barely a boyfriend. He's barely like a functioning human. He pisses me off so much. Mm-hmm. It's just like, he's just so like swarmy or something. I just, ooh, I just don't like him. And no matter how much name recognition he gets, which is very helpful to producers and they go, well, we got Joe Alwyn or whatever. He's not a very good actor, but he's with Taylor. And even with all of this kind of stuff, he can't get anywhere in his career because he's not a good actor. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to kind of pull for Joe because I thought, okay, well, like people in like the gayler side of the fandom can be so rude about him. I was like, you know, just like calling him gay slurs basically. And it's just sort <laughs> of like, okay, I don't know that we need to target that far. Like he seems like a nice enough guy, but the, but ever since the Grammy gate of it all, I've kind of loathed him because it's just like, and it's kind of pathetic for Taylor. Like, I mean, bless her heart. And I think she's just doing this out of love or whatever. And also just like the validation, like NT, like you said. But it also seems like, you know, she complains about men taking credit for her work so much. And yet here she is giving this like, I'm sorry, but talentless man, the highest award in her field just because she could. And it's just like, come on, do you, like, would Joe Alwyn have that? Grammy if he wasn't dating Taylor Swift. No. No. So he doesn't deserve it. You know, he is riding her coattails, you know? And in the same process, in addition to this, just like literally screwing over Aaron and Jack, because if it mm-hmm. was their work, and then she says, well, you know, you guys are going to, we're going to give some to Joe. And I just, it it's the one thing that I can, I can, it's the one thing I, I seriously dislike Taylor for is the Grammy mm-hmm. gate. There's everything else. I, I can go along with Easter eggs or whatever. I, I feel like sometimes she's she does things to her fans where, you know, she'll sue like the Etsy kind of thing or whatever, which I find really distasteful. But, she, you know, it's her people. Oh, you got to protect your brand. Well, she's got all these people and all these people looking through Etsy and we're going to sue somebody here. We're going to do this. And we're, you know, all these big deals. And they didn't know not to, you know, amend the credits or whatever. See, I don't believe that at all. I think that it's it's not nice of her to belittle Jack and Aaron's accomplishments on this by saying that somebody else did part of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's crappy of Joe to accept it. I think that I, I then I go back and I looked at Calvin Harrison. Okay, part of our agreement is I'm going to get you a Grammy. Part of my agreement with you, Joe, is I'm going to get you a Grammy, like contractually bound. That's the only, that is the only way that I feel like Taylor comes out on top of this is if she had a contractual agreement with Joe that I'm going to give you a Grammy if I win one. So here I won one. So now I have to go back and adjust the credits. You would think at the very least he could be gracious about it in interviews too. And that's what really gets me. Like if, if I really want the next person who interviews him to just be like, 
sing, bitch. Like anyone who has a Grammy, there needs to be proof of you for at least 10 seconds playing a musical instrument or singing. And you shouldn't be able to get a Grammy unless there's like video proof that you, like we have literally no evidence that Joe Alwyn knows how to do anything with music. Like nothing at all. Like literally zip, not even like a TikTok of him humming a little bit of a tune or like clapping his hands rhythmically to the beat. This man could be like a musical idiot for all we know. Is there no video of him in the studio? No. Although in his, one of his recent interviews, he said, oh, I think there's a clip of me. Like there's a demo of me out there singing Exile. And I feel like they're planting that. And then that demo is going to quote unquote leak in like a year or something. <laughs> and then of course everybody, oh, it was him all along. And it's like, no, he's having voice lessons right now just so he can get through the demo. I feel like, like, and usually I don't go for... You know, usually I feel like, oh, if pictures leak of them, it's probably like real, like her phone got hacked or whatever, you know, but, but this I will call BS on. I feel like they planted that little thought in the minds of all the little Swifties and he, they are going to like work with him up to the point so he can sing it a bit. And then it's gonna, it's gonna leak. But I mean, with what you said, Shannon, like he has not thanked the fans or thanked the Academy once ever. He hasn't like, even thanked his mother for being born. I think of him as a very thankless person. Is there yeah. anything he enjoyed? He he could not come across worse in interviews mm-hmm. than he has. And it's not just like everyone has one bad day or one bad interview. It's every single one. He's like yes. incredibly. And I have to say when Taylor Swift, it's funny because this was her quote in the Billboard decade music of the you know award. She's like when she's you know talking about feminism or her idea of it, she's like, You know, have you ever heard about a male artist? Someone goes, you know, I like his music, but there's something about him I just don't like. No, that criticism is reserved for women. I'm like, not really, because I'm giving it to Joe Alwyn. I like his music, (laughs) but there's something about him I just don't like. He's unlikable. Yeah. And I feel like at this point, he keeps getting all these horrible reviews on his acting projects. Why doesn't he do music full time? He's a savant, obviously. He's so great that he got drunk the first time he tried to do something. He just went and got drunk and created literally the best in its field of that year. Imagine you know, songs off music, of folklore. If he like did heroin, I mean, he could probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine if he did it sober. I assume it would be better than Mozart. When's J.A. one? Like, why isn't he going into music full time if he's so good at it that the first time he tries it while he's just goofing around drunk for a laugh is Grammy-winning album of the year material, yet he can't get a good review to save his life in any of the many acting projects he's done. Well, maybe Why isn't he going to music yeah. full-time if he's yeah, so, so great So if he did it? that drunk and sober, he could do another Grammy. If we gave Joe Alwyn, like, Adderall, he could probably solve <laughs> cancer. He would be like, oh, this yeah. COVID thing, give me a black coffee, and I've got it wrapped up. I don't even care. Who cares? He'd have the it. fully formed cure for cancer, like, in, <laughs> boom, in one go. Here's what Taylor's going to do next year when she goes on her tour. Joe's going to come out as her special guest and oh my God. S- sing with her. <laughs> I mean, if he would do that, I would back off. I would respect that. If he could get up and sing Betty in front of the crowd, I would back off a bit. I would respect that. I would say, okay, you guys like rehearse this for two years straight. That's why she delayed her tour probably because Joe couldn't get the notes of Betty down quite yet. <laughs> but like, if they would do that, I would respect it. Like, I want to see some music talent, musical talent from this man. And we have it. He's going to be the writer on all the karma songs. <laughs> all the love songs about Carly Claus. Yeah, I'd love to see it. 
<sighs> well, guys, I mean, this has been too fun. Do we have any closing thoughts, any remaining remnants of things we need to get off our chest about Taylor Swift? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think we've said a, it all. A great awards. I, I will say one day I would love to flex back into the comedy skills. The roast of Taylor Swift would be really yes. funny. Yes. We'll, we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it one of these days. Do you think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler would host it? Maybe? <laughs> get yeah. them back we'll reach yeah. out I'll, yeah. I'll just like try to stalk them in new york i think tina fey is here often so yeah. i'll be like be on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> okay well i mean with all that said um thank you guys so much for joining in on this i think we all had a great time this was really really fun if anybody wants to come find me you can find me on tiktok at what i will say instagram what i will say Twitter, what I will say pod. And I'm of course always on Tumblr at what I will say, hanging out with people. Uh, and you can support my show at what I will say on Patreon. Woo-hoo. I'm fluently forward everywhere. Thank you, Cam, for putting this on. Of course. I am at NT Lawyer everywhere and on patreon.com slash NT Lawyer and crazydaysandnights.net. Thank you both for having me on. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I it's just imagine some like some fanfare music playing us out. Everybody, please stay safe out there, okay? All right, huge, huge thank you to Cam and NT for coming on. I know that this was a really long episode, so I'll keep it short and sweet here. I do just wanna say, NT, we know you, we love you. We would not be here without you, so thank you for everything you do. And please, Cam, this was her idea, and she edited this entire episode, and she just does such phenomenal deep dives on people on her podcast. If you want to check out the theory that Taylor Swift and Lily Donaldson dated, if you want to hear things about Haley Steinfeld, it's just her podcast is a great deep dive into so many different celebrities. And I also want to thank you for listening. So thank you very much. Uh, If you want to go and give this podcast five stars, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts to do that. I will read just a few of the latest lovely, lovely reviews here. Somebody said, obsessed. I literally only downloaded this app to rate this podcast five stars i absolutely adore shannon that's so sweet guys and there's nothing i look forward to more than doing my skincare routine drinking a glass of wine Ooh, what type i love a good dry white and listening to shannon i've even got my husband hooked love 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 the pod keep up the amazing work and you know what thank you so much and i've heard people say that they have their husbands and boyfriends listen to this episode or this podcast so maybe one day we'll have to like throw an episode to the uh dudes i don't know we could do some like athlete blind items all right somebody says she has the tea I can't adequately articulate how much I love this podcast. I think it goes without saying that there's something about blind items that leaves you wanting more and this podcast is giving. That is so true about blind items. If you exclusively listen to true crime podcasts like me and want a change of scenery but still need something dramatic, then this is the podcast for you. Shannon makes great use of her storytelling skills combined with her witty hot takes and provides listeners with some much-needed joy each week. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and I am excited. I will see you guys next Monday for another episode of Fluently Forward. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.